Welcome to the Parent Toolbox podcast from the Inventive Minds Child, Youth, and Family Center. We are a not-for-profit organization helping families with day-to-day parenting ups and downs from expectancy to teen. Thank you so much for joining this Inventive Minds Family Center workshop hosted by me. I'm Stavis, your youth development mentor and coach. Today we have author and clinical social worker, the lovely Brianna Simons. Today's workshop topic is how to emotionally connect and reparent with your preschooler. Inventive Minds Child Youth and Family Support Center is a not-for-profit organization helping families and children through divorce. Inventive Minds provides parenting courses and mediation for families going through divorce. Inventive Minds helps families by creating parenting plans, child support, spousal support, and asset evaluation. Connect with their therapist and practitioner for day-to-day parenting challenges. And also there's many adult group support programs to look at on our website. Um, for reconnecting with your children and uh, emotionally attuned parenting, which is quite convenient because that is what our topic is today. Uh, To clarify, I am a youth development coach and I am not a licensed medical doctor, psychologist, psychiatrist, master's in family and child counseling, or a master's in social work. If you believe that you or anyone you know needs the help of a licensed medical doctor, psychologist, psychiatrist, master's in family and child counseling, or a master's in social work, do speak with your family doctor, local walk-in clinic, or hospital. Okay, well, let's get right into it. Children look to the adults in their lives to help them navigate the world around them. Brianna aims to help educate caregivers to support children through their own individual process of self-discovery and growth, all the while creating strong foundations between children and their caregivers. So great to have you here, Brianna. First, though, if we can have you tell us a bit about your educational background, please. I am out in Nova Scotia right now, but I'm originally from Ontario. When I was living in Ontario, I did an undergraduate degree, a bachelor's in social work. And that's where I started. In my placement, I started to kind of figure out what path I wanted to take in social work because it's very vast. Through one of my placements, I got connected with somebody who was a child and play-based therapist. So that was what sparked my interest. And then I ended up getting additional training through the Canadian Association for Child and Play Therapy. I did three years of courses and then I moved out to Nova Scotia and was working out here. Then I ended up going for my master's at Memorial in Newfoundland. So I have my master's in clinical social work. Oh, so you are highly knowledgeable in today's topic. That is for sure. For sure, yeah. (laughs) Even though I actually do work with a lot of adults now and do individual therapy work, Definitely the child and play-based therapy work and anything kind of related to parents is where my kind of niche is, I would say. Very good stuff. Attuned parenting may be a concept or, or a set of words that might not be too familiar. So if you could please go into some detail for those of us who are not too familiar with what attuned parenting is all about. For sure. I've created this kind of two-pager handout and the main overarching theme of emotionally attuned parenting is definitely valuing childhood and seeing kids as being capable and connecting in an emotional way with your kid. I don't necessarily see emotionally attuned parenting as being parenting style. It's more so a values and belief system and a way of interacting with kids. And so these things kind of can help you to do that and bring more depth and intention to your parenting with your child. Nice. So, And a lot of these things are connected to social skills and how we kind of interact with people and how we form relationships with anyone. You can carry this over into your relationships with other people as well. 
making eye contact with your child when they're speaking, mirroring your child's emotions, but not over-identifying, acknowledging that their feelings are valid, but also not taking the spotlight and making it about you when they're expressing their emotions, really listening to your child so that you can hear them, answering your child's questions, asking questions and making comments to show interest. A big one is avoid shaming. Anytime that parents kind of get into the realm of shaming, it usually always does the opposite of what they were intending on doing and makes behaviors worse oftentimes and establishing boundaries, but giving freedom for growth. So the second page of this gives you an idea of being in that realm of parenting, what you'll see as being the benefits in your relationship with your child. And so I won't go over all of those. This is something that parents can have, and it can kind of just give them an idea of different things and keep them in check a little bit too. I find as parents, you know, life changes, we get busy, different things happen, and we can kind of fall away from some of this. So Mm. to have that reminder, it kind of brings us back to that intentional parenting that we want to have with our kids. And I really like what you said about not only can you practice doing these different steps with your children, but you can also practice it with anybody that you care about to essentially get really good at your communication skills. And when you say listening, really listening, I feel like a big part of that as well is remembering that feelings essentially are just neutral, that they're not necessarily good or bad. They just are what they are. And you're just listening to those feelings and listening to how whoever has the feeling is you know, trying to communicate it and describe it and and get it out. And you're essentially just helping them do that. Yeah. And feelings is a big one for me and all the work that I do with parents and families in general, because a lot of times that's one of the assessment questions that I ask is how does your child do with expressing and understanding their feelings? And typically if the parents feel like they don't really understand their child's feelings, it's coming from a place that their child hasn't had an opportunity for it to be really role modeled for them. So they don't, Mm -hmm. it's not something that comes natural or the family doesn't do it. So that's usually the first thing that I get everybody on board with is starting to be more comfortable with expressing feelings, fine tuning that a little bit, because sometimes we may say that we're mad or angry, but it's actually something very different. So figuring out what that is. And then once you're able to do that and you can express those feelings, kids can start to feel like by expressing feelings, they know that they're actually going to be heard and listened to. And then it helps the parent to be able to get to what's behind that feeling and what's happening so that they can start to address what the child's thoughts are to help them out. It's not something that they have to hold back on all the time. Once you get to the root of what's creating that experience around emotions, oftentimes when you see the big emotions or the meltdowns and those things, it's because the child's struggling to be able to communicate what's going on. Mm. Please explain to us the following parenting styles, passive parenting, overprotective parenting, a helicopter parenting, authoritarian parenting. Then authoritative parenting as well. Authoritative parenting yeah. as well. Okay. So cool. there's all different styles and models and different things we're always hearing about as far as new ways of parenting. A lot of it is just trying to convey what's behind the values and beliefs. With passive parenting, it's like an excessive flexibility. So a parent that really doesn't have key set boundaries or rules or expectations. And even if they have them, they are not necessarily following through on what happens if those things are pushed or broken as far as rules. And so the consequences are 
usually not there. The child doesn't really have a whole lot of guidance. And oftentimes the child is kind of running the show. The times that I typically see passive parenting is when a parent has gotten to a place in their parenting that they have no confidence. It's kind of like waving that surrender flag. It's just very free and going with the flow and just following whatever the child does. And with overprotective parenting is the opposite. And you often see overprotective parenting based out of a parent's own fear. So you could have a parent that has anxiety that responds in a passive way because they just feel incapable. Or you could have a parent that is experiencing anxiety that then goes the opposite way into that overprotective parenting. They do everything that they can to avoid any hardships from their child. What they do is they go to this really controlling nature of I'm going to control the whole environment and anything that I feel could potentially cause harm or bring emotional upset. I'm just going to avoid it altogether and not allow my child to do anything. Overprotective parents can overindulge their child because they're helping them all the time, doing everything for them, coming to their aid before they should or need to, because they're trying to control that situation of making sure nothing bad happens. Helicopter parenting is a little bit different from the overprotective parenting, but you can see very similar things with it as well. Overprotective is more about fear of bad things happening and thinking that bad things are going to happen. Whereas helicopter parenting is more so unhealthy differentiation between yourself and your child. So it's seeing your child almost as an extension of yourself. The parent is overly focused on their child and overly invested in their child's success or challenges. They might do everything for their child or be with their child at all times. So the child doesn't really have a whole lot of freedom to develop who they are. The parent can get a lot of pride in their child's successes. So it, they can kind of take away from it being about their child achieving it and more so their own achievements because they were so heavily involved in those successes. So you can see with both overprotective parenting and helicopter parenting that there's not a lot of opportunity given for the child to be independent and to kind of be their own self. And then with authoritarian parenting, that's more the extreme to the other way where there's limited emotional warmth and nurturing, but there's high expectations. So there might be high expectations for success and um, a lot of really strong rules and boundaries. With that, there's not a lot of guidance either. So it's kind of like if you do something because you kind of had to figure it out on your own. And then if you do something wrong, you're penalized for it harshly. You can often see authoritarian parents based out of eliciting fear. You behave out of fear rather than out of respect or because you've learned things from your parent. Those parents typically tend to yell a lot and have even physical punishment. Consequences may not align with what actually happened. It, it tends to be quite extreme. There's no explanation of like an understanding of why I expect you to do these things. It's just you do them because I'm the adult and you're the child. That's more so what you see with that authoritarian parenting style. With authoritative parenting, you get the emotional connection and nurturing, you get the guidance, you get the rules and limits and boundaries, but you also get some freedom and the parent giving opportunities to learn through experiencing, but they're there if something happens and you can go to them and know that it's not going to be these extremely harsh consequences 
that there's going to be some dialogue and connection around that. And consequences tend to be fair and connected directly with what actually happened. It mimics very much emotionally attuned parenting. Mm -hmm. You get a lot of the same things there because the values and the beliefs around parents' role and how to kind of guide and raise your child are all around that premise of nurturing, growth, giving freedom, but also setting some boundaries and being interested in your child and being connected with them. Right. Authoritative parenting is the way to go. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Just a side question here, because it seems to me that almost seems like these other styles are, are somewhat toxic. I mean, there are going to be times where you might have a more passive parenting style and that it might fit and it might work in certain circumstances. Okay. There may be circumstances in which like being more overprotective in a certain situation Right. is what needs to happen. You don't want to kind of have that be your main way of parenting, but certainly some of those things can come in from time to time where you realize, yeah, maybe I need to take a step back here and I'm being a little too overprotective, or maybe it, I normally kind of act in a certain way and I give a lot of freedom for growth, but in this situation, I need to actually put my foot down more and assert kind of, no, like I'm setting a really strong limit here. Right. Essentially not having one of these parenting styles as one that you rely on all the time, constantly. It's being more flexible with what's happening in the moment. A uh, question I had uh, specifically about what are the effects that each of these parenting styles can have on children? You've um, already uh, answered somewhat uh, the authoritative side of this, but I think it'd be really good to go through all of these in some detail regarding the effects that it could have. For sure. There's overlap. You can see a lot of the same things. For example, with passive parenting, you will potentially have a child with a lot of anxiety because they don't really have a lot of guidance. They may have worry and fear because if the parent's not really giving guidance and it's left to them, they may not have the emotional ability to even do that. So it can create a lot of anxiety. You can also see anxiety happening with the overprotective parent, obviously, because they're working from a place of fear all the time. A lot of times when I have kids coming to see me in relation to anxiety, one of the first questions I ask the parent is, do you experience anxiety? Like, do you work from a place of being an anxious person? And I would say 100% the parent is like, yes, either themselves or the other parent. So the child is seeing it. So you could see anxiety with a passive parenting where parent isn't really parenting, but you can also see it with the overprotective parenting where they're always saying, no, don't do that. No, you can't do that. You might get hurt. Something bad might happen because they're creating a sense of the world is not safe. And you can also see anxiety with the helicopter parenting because the child doesn't develop a sense of I'm capable of doing these things on my own, or I'm a capable human being because their parent is always there right alongside them, guiding them, telling them what to do. And so they often don't believe that they have the ability to make their own choices, have their own thoughts or do things for themselves. So that can create anxiety. Mm -hmm. And also with authoritarian parenting, when you've got emotional disconnect from a parent and you've got a parent who's yelling all the time, being physical, you're obviously going to have a child that's struggling as far as from that fear-based perspective too. So with all of those, you can very much experience the same thing with anxiety. With um, passive parenting, you can also get a child who 
has extreme behavioral challenges and they push limits and they don't have any kind of regard or respect for any kind of authority because they've always been in a role of just doing what they want and nobody has ever kind of set those limits and boundaries. And you can also get that with the authoritarian parenting as well, because you might get a child who's pushing back against that intense negative emotion that the parent's expressing towards them. And then it's also learned too. So if the parent is responding in that way, always criticizing, yelling, not valuing the child in any way, you might get a child who's very angry and acts out in that way too. Those are kind of the main things that I typically see, but it can affect self-esteem as far as like developing proper social skills. With passive parenting, you could see it because if there are some behaviors or challenges that the child has that aren't being corrected or guided or helped in any way, that can lead to behaviors that aren't conducive for like good social development or engaging with peers. And also with being an overprotective parent, the child might just be so fear-based and lacking of experiences that other children would have that they might be socially awkward because they really don't know how to get on in the world because they're just kind of in this bubble where they just don't even know how to be confident in any way. You could also get that with the authoritarian parenting style as well, because you may have a child that is just in this kind of experience of I'm a bad kid and develop a sense of who they are based on how their parents responding all the time that you could get a lot of acting out and then a lot of disconnect from peers and other people because they're not learning empathy. They're not learning any kind of like nurturing or emotional expression because that's not something that's fostered within that parenting style. You know, with being an authoritative parent, it's not a guarantee that you're going to have no issues depending on how the child is. And if they have any of their own challenges or difficulties, you may have struggles even with that kind of parenting style as well. And you may need additional support too. If your child is one that might lash out or not get along with their peers or might have some perhaps learning difficulties or anything like that, it doesn't necessarily mean that it's a reflection of your parenting style. It could just be the development of their own personality. Yeah. There are definitely things that can happen with children that can dictate how they respond and react in a a child and parent role and relationship. I've recently experienced helping some people with this and and people in my own family. If you're learning about different things that maybe your child has different challenges with, like in relation to an ADHD diagnosis, an autism diagnosis, developmental delays, there could even be like medical needs. So there could be different things that are kind of underlying and have created certain ways of the child engaging that aren't in our kind of world of seeing Our mind is being a certain way. There's a lot of neurodivergence in our world as well. And a lot of ways that people's brains work very differently. And so it's not normal or not normal or good or bad. It's just we all think differently and our brains may even function differently. With emotionally attuned parenting, you're going to be more aware when your child's struggling. You're going to be aware of that sooner and then you're going to be able to kind of figure out, okay, what do we need to do to work through this together rather than just if you weren't emotionally attuned and connected with your child in that way, you're going to miss a lot of stuff. And so if you miss a lot of stuff early on, then you're going to potentially have a harder time trying to through that later if you do realize it later on. 
Right, right. Okay, that makes sense. What would you consider to be the best parenting style? It's definitely the authoritative parenting style, but then obviously everybody makes it more their own because you have family beliefs and values and you bring all that stuff into how you then kind of use that parenting style into your parenting with your child. In a situation where if for whatever reason, you know, you do find that some time has gone by and you haven't been able to build that connection with your child in the way that you might like, how can you reconnect with your child? How can you kind of work through reconnecting with your child? If If emotionally tuned parenting doesn't come naturally for you, or if a parent was raised in a certain way and they just feel like that's not something that I want to do, but I don't really know what to do instead, you want to kind of ask yourself, how would I define? what childhood is. And this is going to bring about what do you know based on what you've learned, but what do you also believe based on what you even felt and what you wanted to experience when you look back on it? Would you reflect upon your own childhood experiences as positive or negative? Then kind of elaborating as to the why. Why did I feel it was positive? Why did I feel it was negative? Were there certain things my parents did or didn't do? What more would you have hoped for in your own childhood? What do you want for your own child's experiences through childhood? So this is bringing about more questions that are looking at being intentional instead of just kind of parenting as a means of keeping your child alive by feeding them, keeping a roof over their head and making sure that they don't get severely injured. And it goes to the depth of what you want out of your parenting and what you want your children to experience. Sometimes we have life events that throw us off a little bit, or we have adversities. You can move into this more intentional way of being a parent and changing some of those things. So the question you had about like, how can you connect with your child? How can you reparent them? You can start asking yourself questions that will guide you in the action phase of what can I actually do? How regularly do I do this with my own child now? Eye contact with your child when they're speaking. How regularly do I do that? Am I distracted all the time? Am I looking at my phone? Am I too busy that I'm always kind of shutting down the conversation or talking, but not really looking at them? And then how would life be different if this was how my child and I engaged? So if I was able to bring all this in and start doing these things more, could I see how our life would feel different? Could I see how my child may act differently? What can I do to make sure it's part of the way I engage with my child regularly? Are there things that are barriers to it? If they're barriers, are there things that you can do that can maybe allow you to be more connected and have more opportunity to do those things. Asking yourself, was there ever a time I did it more? You may feel that as a parent of one child, you were really good at emotionally attuned parenting and you were doing all those things. But then when your second child or third child came along, you just became so overwhelmed and overtaxed with all the things you had to do that you feel like you're not doing those things anymore. Kind of reflecting on that and seeing like what changed and why did it change? And are there any ways that I can kind of bring it back to that? What's happening in my life when it seems to happen more authentically? So do you feel that you're more emotionally attuned with your child when you're parenting them on your own versus when you have your partner around and what's the difference and what changes that? How do I feel when I do this? What are my barriers to doing this all the time? And how does my child respond? So going through this and kind of answering those questions, I feel will give parents kind of that answer to how can I 
start to reconnect with my child, what needs to happen in order to do that. This is helping you uh, essentially build an, a higher awareness of yourself. As you answer these questions, it's also important to not be too hard on yourself either. Like if you're just, if you're struggling, sometimes at least having the awareness of yourself and answering these questions can be a good start into getting into the right direction. You may also realize through doing this that your child's needs are extreme. And you might realize I can't do this with my child without support. And you may realize I need to get help for my child or I need to learn more about it. Some parents may not actually have the ability to parent their child based on their child's needs. And that's a reality too. Okay. Okay. How do I build a strong relationship with my child? It kind of depends on like where your child's at and what they need. One of the biggest things is making sure that you do have time to spend with your child and to connect and be able to be emotionally available to them because that's likely the times that you're going to learn the most about them and be able to see where they're at, hear some feelings and thoughts that they had that you weren't really aware of. Just for myself being a parent, I have two kids. They're three years apart. One is seven and one's four. And they both have their natural challenges as kids, but one of them has some extra challenges as well being on the spectrum. And so I feel like it's really important as parents to make sure that we do build in some of that one-on-one time. Right. And it sounds like just doing that in itself will help to develop your relationship with your child where you won't have to be so concerned about how are they handling life? How are they handling their emotions? If you just have that time to focus on them, just like you would have time to do anything. If the next uh, couple of questions I have, which is how to get closer to your child and how to show your child specifically, I was going to ask about preschoolers. How do you show them love? Like thinking about preschoolers in particular, they're at a developmental stage where they're in between the, I'm a part of my parent and I'm an individual. You want to really create that opportunity for them to have limits and boundaries, but you're also seeing them as being a capable human being. You're expressing pride and that valuing childhood, like that on wonderment of your child and where they're at. With a preschooler, they're in that in-between stage. So you want to make sure that you're treating them with that respect of like you are a human with thoughts and feelings and giving them the opportunities to express them, teaching them about feelings and modeling feelings and expressions. If you have a good relationship with emotions and feelings and kind of expressing them and understanding them, and it's not a taboo thing in your household, that in itself is naturally going to bring parents to be more connected with their kids because that's the gateway to understanding your child's thoughts. (laughs) If they feel shut down with feelings and emotions and can't express anything and get kind of overwhelmed by it, you're essentially shutting down communication. If you want to connect, communication needs to be there as well. That makes sense. So spending the time with your children, make sure you have allotted time with them. When you're focusing on them, not only you're focusing maybe on things that they want to do, but focusing on just some basic communication skills and uh, modeling emotions, because they're going to have a lot of them all the time with with everything. Mm -hmm. Maybe this might have to be the last question um, that I have for you, at least for today. Provide us with three tips to take away to connect with our preteens. Preteens and preschoolers and kind of everything in between. It's very similar in a lot of ways because again, you want to create that safe base. I would say be a safe base for your preteen, be predictable, show comfort, give guidance and give freedom. Also, 
co-regulate. When we think of co-regulation or regulation in general, we think about the little ones and we think about how toddlers can have meltdowns and tantrums, but it can happen with preteens as well. And oftentimes when they're struggling, have a little bit of empathy because quite literally their brain is going through complete restructuring. Neurons are being paired, new connections are being made. That's why you see kids who sleep a lot when you get into those teenage years, because their brain is literally going through a complete reconstruction. So you may see the same things with preteens that they're struggling with expressing their emotions or they're struggling with handling themselves and regulating. And then with preteens, obviously like the connection is a big one too. You don't want to get to a point, And I hear this a lot of times where parents are like, I had such a good relationship with my child, like throughout their whole life. And all of a sudden I feel like I don't know anything about them. They're closed off. They don't express how they're feeling, making sure that you're continuing to create those opportunities for connection and using the emotionally attuned parenting kind of guidelines and models of how to do that. Because if you do that, your child's going to feel respected. They're going to feel like you value them. They're going to feel like they're important and that you're there to be emotionally connected. If things are happening that are really hard for them and you've created that foundation, they are more likely going to feel like they can come to you versus if you've shut that stuff down and you've never created those kind of opportunities or never really heard them, um, not really shown them that they're significant or important there, you're not going to have that connection and they're not going to come to you when they have those difficult times. Hopefully all this has helped and given everybody some good insight as to what they can do to make things a lot more manageable at home with their children. I just want to thank Brianna Simons here for joining us today. Thank you very much. Thank you for joining this Inventive Minds Child Youth and Family Support Center workshop. Uh, do visit www.inventivekids, that's with a Z, dot com to learn about the many other workshops available coming up soon. There are a ton of them. You can connect with Inventive Minds via email at inventivekids, again with a Z, at gmail.com for any parenting challenges so their professional team can connect with you. Thank you, and we look forward to seeing you all again very, very soon. Thank you for joining us today, Brianna. Thank you all for being here, and bye for now, everybody. Make sure to check out inventivekids.com slash events, as well as other parenting workshops, courses, and events. Thank you.